Hello and welcome to the Tennis Menu's Daily Rolling Garros show for thetennismenu.com. Remember to head there and grab your package for your annual package for just $99.90 US dollars to make yourself a better tennis coach. I definitely need to get on that. My name is Val Febo and we've got a massive show lined up for you today. We've got the women's draw where, well, I think it's six of the eight in the bottom half of the draw are at personal best at Roland Garros. It is genuinely unbelievable. We've seen so many upsets last night. Yelena Ostapenko is gone. Gabinia Muguruza is gone. Uh, Arena Sabalenka also gone. So it has been a domino falling night at in Paris. On the men's side, Novak Djokovic still looks really supreme. We're going to touch on that. The, the three-letter derby, RBA v PCB, that's one of Joel's finest jokes for the day. Um, <laughs> they, they played last night. Roberto Bautista Agu falling to Pablo Carreño Busto, who continues his rich vein of form, and he goes through in four sets to the quarterfinals. But also, Daniel Altmaier will touch on his story and what he's been able to do at Roland Garros and how he has bucked the trend and not succumb to the pressure of playing in his first Grand Slam main draw. But we do have plenty to get through, and the show isn't the show without these two men. And the first man is Mark Sapoulis, the best high-performance coach in the business, hashtag better than Moritoglu. And he's offered to give me tennis lessons. So this is going to go down very quickly <laughs> um, for me. It'd be great for him if he, can, uh, if he can turn me around, which I reckon he can. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thanks. And yeah, I'm going to have to be the best high-performance coach in the business if I'm going to have to work on that back end of yours. So we're going to have to do a bit of work on it. But uh, yeah, what an incredible night last night and um, some amazing results, which we're going to touch on. And just so good to see the underdogs. And this French Open, obviously, with the different timing of the year, has just opened that door for so many players to, uh, to achieve personal best, to achieve uh, personal best in terms of ranking points, money, etc. And I think it's a, a great opportunity and one that I'm hoping, uh, you know, we can get an opportunity for these players to be able to uh, to live out their dream a little bit more. And this is one, one chance that they've all had, which has been great. Yeah, this has been a fantastic Grand Slam for those stories. We've seen so many personal bests being achieved at a major. And um, we saw a little bit of that at the US Open, but I think more so what we've seen here and some of the just obscure names that have that have reached the round of 16. It's just fantastic. And uh, Joel Frucci, our second or our third member of the trio, um, our resident uh, translator, have you got any, have you practiced any other languages for us today? I have not. It's, it's oh. the weekend, so it's my day off. So I haven't bothered <laughs> with, the, uh, with, with, with the linguistics this weekend. But um, yeah, no, good morning, boys. Looking forward to chatting. Uh, some wrong girls again. We can uh, chat uh, about the Spaniard win. <laughs> um, Joel and I have been, we love the way Pablo Carreño Busta speaks English. And <laughs> it's just the most imitatable way of speaking that, that, there, that there is. So we may slip into that a little bit during the show. I hope it doesn't get to that, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But look, we'll start with the women's draw and it was just a man continuing her good form equaling her personal best at Roland Garros over Arena Borough 6-2-6 love um, Fiona Farrow the French woman in 1997 she was born she has uh, 7-6-4-6-6 love to move through to her first ever Grand Slam fourth round continuing to 7 5 2 6, six. Well, that was completely unexpected. So we'll chat a bit about that. Petra Kvitova over Leila Fernandez, 7 5 six, three. Jung Shui. Um, she's made a Grand Slam. Lara Burrell, 7-6, seven, 7-5. Seven, Paula Badosa, well, Ostapenko had been in stunning form 
And, well, Badosa got her 6-4, 6-3 to make her first Grand Slam fourth round. On Jabot, continuing her form. Shane is doing wonders with her. And 7-6-2-6-6-3 over Arena Sabalenka. And Laura Siegman next to 6-3, 6 love. So her first Grand Slam fourth round as well. So six to the bottom half in the women's draw are in the Roland Garros round of 16 for the first time. Seven of them are in a Roland Garros. This is, this is unprecedented stuff for what we're seeing in the bottom half of the draw here. And it, it's so exciting to see what we're going to get. And we'll start with you, Mark. Um, looking at some of the results that, that came our way, I think, what, what's the one that stands out for you? And how do you think that that came about? I, think, I, I definitely think the Onjabor result is amazing. And I, I think maybe because it's uh, forefront of our minds with uh, Shane Leonard's uh, being part of his show and being part of the tennis menu. But, you know, what an incredible result. I mean, before the, the tournament started, we were just chatting and um, I know that it's not her best surface notoriously from, from a re- result perspective, but to see what she's been able to do on clay, um, you know, and he, he touched on it the other day on the show. So if you haven't heard that show with Shane Leonard about our data and um, check it out because he talks about her creativity. And if you see a, a player like on Jabor who can pop the ball really big, but also have the feel, the touch that, uh, that she needs to be able to create that variability in the game. And on this uh, surface at the moment, with the way that it's playing, you need to be creative. You need to have variability. You can't be that sort of player that just keeps the ball in the court. I mean, at the end of the day, you need something else. You need to be able to pop it. You need to be able to win points. And and Anja Bohr has just been absolutely incredible. And her 2020, and I know Mr. Modest Shane won't, won't say it's part of him, but, you know, he came on board at the Australian Open. I, and I know that the coach has done a great job, but... 2020 has been her best year, uh, arguably. And, you know, it's been an incredible, uh, incredible run for her so far. Uh, looking forward to seeing what she can do down the track because now that Nova Ruth is out, does that open the door a little bit for her? She plays Danielle Collins now, and um, who is uh, fitness coach by a great Aussie uh, young man, Tommy Couch. Um, want a bit of a cheerio to Tom, who's an incredible guy. Played uh, football at our Richmond VFL team a few years back. And, um, is now traveling full time with, with Danielle and, um, and, and his, her, uh, his partner. So they're obviously enjoying their time together and enjoying a great run of success. And, you know, I think Ons maybe has another, another win on, under a belt coming. I think she might get through to the, the quarters and, and really shake up this draw a little bit. I think there's a, a great opening for her. Well, for her to get through to two out of three quarterfinals uh, at majors this year, that's phenomenal. And another third round at the US Open where arguably she could have beaten Simo- uh, Sophia Kennan that day. She could have. She was up a break in both sets um, and had her chances. Or sorry, was up a break in the first and then had chances in the second to come back and get, and get another break and go ahead. But um, unfortunately, it didn't happen for her. But I think the way that she's playing and I think the conditions are probably suiting her with the weight of shot that she hits... And it's probably the same with Simone, uh, Sophia Kennan. I keep calling her Simona Kennan, but Sophia. There we go. I'm getting the two mixed up. Um, but yeah, it, it's probably the same with her, with the sheer weight of shot that both of them have. And same with Petra Kvitova. I think the French Open having these conditions is really suiting these players. And maybe, just maybe, one of those three might be able to go on and challenge Simona Halep because Halep's weight of shot isn't what, what the weight of shot of these girls are, is. So... Um, if I can get my English out. Um, she doesn't have the same weight of shot as these other three. There we go. That's much better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what those three can do. But even Paula Badosa, Joel, 
over Yelena Ostapenko. So Ostapenko, in her first two matches, had hit 73 winners, which was more than Djokovic. I think it was more than Nadal as well. Uh, she hit 32 winners last night, but made 43 unforced errors. Badoso, on the other hand, hit 15 winners and made 10 unforced errors. And, but the problem was, winning on second serve for Yelena Ostapenko was 45%, Badoso 50%, and then she, and on break points, Ostapenko was two from eight, Badosa five from seven. And that's where she, that's where she won the match, I think. And what, what did you make of the result? And did you see it coming at all? Yeah, well, again, it was it was a surprise because we've we've been talking so much about Yelena Ostapenko, but yeah, I think um, you know, I guess when we look at the winners and unforced errors count, uh, it probably comes back to what we've been talking about a lot with her, um, and that's uh, obviously that she brings the, the power to uh, to uh, a match, but uh, it was very much the consistency that let her down. Um, and that was always, I think, our, our, our concerns um, that if that inconsistency crept in, if maybe her confidence dropped off a little bit, um, if that sort of power heavy hitting game didn't quite stack up, if it started falling apart, uh, if she could kind of pick up the pieces again, which uh, um, or cl- clearly in, in this case didn't, didn't quite happen. So look, a bit of a surprise. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed that, that she's gone, gone out actually, because I was enjoying her, I was enjoying watching her play um, that, that, that kind of game that she brought. But nevertheless, um, good, good win for Paolo Bedosa and um, another unseated player that's making waves uh, at, at this tournament. I yep, another one. And I did ask you the question last week, guys, that uh, if an unseated forward, sorry, earlier on in the week, um, if an unseated player could win Roland Garros on the women's side anyway, the men's side, I don't see that as a conclusion that is possible. But I think that on the women's side, I think we very well could see that. And one that is making waves mark is Danielle Collins. Yeah, yes, she is. And I just want to touch on a little bit what you were saying, Joel, I think, before we move to Danielle, because I'm looking at the stats in front of me and Ostapenko, who is clearly an aggressive baseliner, likes to dictate the points. She only won 30, uh, 30 out of 76 points in the zero to four category of the rally, a rally lane. Now, the zero to four category is the most important category to win in any match. That's where most of the points are, are, are finished. 70% of points finish within zero to four shots. Now, um, but, but Dosa won 46 of those points in the zero to four compared to 30 for Ostapenko. Ostapenko did win the five to eight or the medium rally uh, category, uh, but it means nothing because most of the points finish within that, uh, within that zero to four ratio. So I think it's really important for, for anyone who's out there to understand that whenever you're training, really look at that, that as a really important part of your training is that zero to four kind of area, because I feel like if we can get that right, you'll win more matches if you can win that zero to four count. So that to me is a really critical component. And, and you did touch on Val, um, Danielle Collins. So, I mean, for her outstanding win um, to be, you know, a, a superstar like Mogarutha, um, interesting to, to note that she did lose just marginally the zero to four count. Um, and it's interesting because she goes and wins, what was it, six four in the third set. Yeah. But only won two more points than Mogarutha for the entire match. You know, and it's those critical moments that I think Danielle was really good at uh, yesterday. Really calm, really controlled and played those critical moments well. Yeah, and one stat I do want to bring up. So it was so even, 60 to 64 in favour of Muguruza in points one in the zero to four rally um, rally category, a zero to four shot rally. Five to eight shot rallies, it was Muguruza again, 32 to 27. But the nine plus shot rallies, 
Collins wins it 20 to 9. And Muga Rutha is generally really, really solid in those long rallies. She doesn't make many errors. And Collins was able to negate it, I guess, and try and really dictate those longer shots. And I think the winners, um, it was 36 to Collins, 37 to Muguruza. Unforced errors. Muguruza was so clean. 31 unforced errors compared to Collins, 44. So looking at the stats, it kind of looks as though Muguruza was probably the one that should have won it. It's probably based on that second set where Muguruza won at 6-2. But Collins was able to rise in those clutch moments. She is a Grand Slam semi-finalist. She made the semis at the Oz Open last year. She has been there and done that and gone deeper to slam before. Who's to say she can't do it now? And I'm really looking to forward to that matchup against Angebeur. Yeah, it's going to be a great match. Like, you know, both players are going to bring something totally different in the game, which is, which is outstanding. And um, I, I love seeing this. And I, I love looking at the draw and seeing players that people don't know. And, you know, I was watching a match last night after Collins' extremely good win. Um, and I was watching um, a match last night with Ferro and, and Tig from uh, yep. Romania. And um, two players who and my wife turned over, she goes, oh, who's actually playing? And I said, you know what? I've never seen either one of them play. So this is pretty cool. Like, it's actually good to watch what he's coming through. And it's good to see a new batch of talent coming through. Great opportunity here at Roland Garros for these players to, to shine a little bit. And, you know, Collins and Jabour have got a great opportunity now to get right the way through. And, you know, maybe Sophia Kennan stands in the way. But who knows? With the way the draw's going, it is wide open. Yep. Well, that draw, uh, the bottom half of the draw, before we do get to the men's for the fourth round, is on Jabour v. Danielle Collins. And the winner of that will take on the winner of Fiona Ferro and Sophia Kennan. And then the bottom quarter is Petra Kvitova against Jung Shui, who has made a quarterfinal at the 2016 Australian Open. She did it at Wimbledon, I think, two years ago as well. Um, and Kvitova, obviously, a two-time Wimbledon champion as well. So they'll take on each other. The winner of that will take on Laura Siegman against Paula Bedosa or Paula Bedosa. So, yeah, it's fantastic. And I think this is so exciting. And you said at the start, and also another fourth round in the women's draw, Nadia Podoroska against Barbara Krejcikova in the top half of the draw. That's as exciting as anything as well. So this is this women's draw has been phenomenal, and I'm so looking forward to what we're going to see tonight and what the rest of the tournament does hold. But let's move over to the men's draw and this one. Well, it looked like we're on the collision course for a uh, Matteo Berrettini and Novak Djokovic quarterfinal. Daniel Altmaier, the German, he has come out of absolute obscurity. His first ever Grand Slam main draw, world number 186. The guy's 22 years old. And he's reached the fourth round without dropping a set. He's won nine consecutive sets. And he's the first man to do that. And I have a stat here that uh, the wonderful Kevin Pollard sent me on Twitter. And it was Alt Stenland at the 1986 French Open. He made the fourth round and won his first six, nine sets against who did he play. He beat Andreas Mora from Germany, Darren Cahill, one of our great friends, uh, Anders Jarrett. And then he won the first two sets against Andre Gomez. And I think Gomez... Oh, hang on. No, he didn't. Uh, hang on. No, he lost that match. Sorry. Um, he lost the first two sets, came back and got it in, uh, got it to five, but then lost it in the fifth. So nine consecutive sets. Altmaier becomes the first man to do that. Sorry, I'm waffling on. Um, did Joel, this has come out of complete nowhere. Yeah. Um, and really, it's been the essence of... Of the whole tournament, hasn't it? Um, I was look. I mean, great story for Daniel Altmaier. Uh, you know, we we love seeing new players, if you like, just just come out of nowhere and, and really stir up the pot. And, and certainly, it's it's thrown a spanner in, in that part of of the draw because, as you said, though, I'm sure Novak Djokovic would have been looking ahead, thinking 
possibly. It just uh, seems to fall into place for the guy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he would have been looking ahead saying, okay, I'm probably going to be playing Matteo Berrettini. And that's, that's nothing against Karen Kashinov, who he has to play in the in fourth round. But uh, I'm sure he would have been maybe prepared for, for Matteo potentially. Um, but, yeah, um, it, I was quite disappointed with Matteo, actually. He's, uh, you know, with, on, on clay this, this season, he was pretty good in Rome um, as, as well. He was, he was looking good in, in his previous uh, couple of matches. Um, just wasn't really working for him. He was he was pretty untidy with his ground strokes, um, which was which was quite disappointing. Um, but yeah, again, good to see Daniel Hotmeyer really getting himself in there and, uh, and and shaking things up a bit. It's good to see. Yep, and first man to reach the fourth round at a Grand Slam and his first main draw since uh, well last year. One Ignacio Londero did it um, at the French Open, and he played Rafa Nadal. So that's the only time Rafa Nadal has played someone at the French that has a better winning ratio than he does at 100%. He'd only played three matches, of course, so it doesn't really count. But Novak Djokovic, again, looking really good over Daniel Alahi. Gelan, 6-love, six 6-3, six three, six two. I think, it, what, how many games did he drop for the tournament, Joel? About 15 only? In his he dropped 15. Matches. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Roberto Bautista Agu, uh, well, we thought he might get through against Pablo Carreño Busta, the, the three-letter derby, RBAVPCB, 6-4, in favour of Carreño Busta. We'll touch on this one very shortly. Stefano Tsitsipas uh, played Aliage Bedene. Uh, Bedene retired 3-1 down in the third set. Andre Rublev took care of Kevin Anderson, 6-3, 6-2, 6-3, to continue his rich vein of form. Grigor Dimitrov played Roberto Carabayas Baena, and he got through 6-1, 6-3, and Carabayas Baena. And out retired. Uh, Karen Khashinov winning over Christian Garin 6 2, 3 6, 6 4, 6 2 to give Djokovic probably his first real test of the tournament. No disrespect to Ima Barankas or Galan. I think uh, Khashinov is a step above all three by a fair way. And Martin Fushevich continuing his form as well um, over Tiago Montero in straight sets. But Pablo Carreño Busta against Roberto Bautista Agu. We mentioned it yesterday and flagged that it could be a five or longer hour epic. It went three, nearly three and a half. But this match, look to see a winner count, Mark, for Pablo Carreño Busta at 65, to, for him to hit 65 winners on clay against a returning brick wall like uh, Bautista Agu is simply phenomenal. And 51 unforced errors, yes, but it just shows the intent that he had during this match to actually to just club the ball. And he so break points won, 7 of 17, 41%. Bautista Agu, 4 of 12 at 33%. So, uh, sorry, 41% to Karenio Busta, 33% to Bautista Agu. Uh, just what a performance. What a stunning performance. Yeah, it's interesting because people always see Karenio uh, Busta as a clay corner. They see Spanish, they go to clay court, he's going to be a grinder. Um, but his results on faster surfaces have been uh, just as good, if not better, um, on the hard courts and, and, and so forth. And it, it's good to see that because I look at these, these stats as well and he hit 32 winners within that zero to four category. Um, you know, obviously in those first couple of balls, he's really looking to be on the offense and he's made, he's made 26 unforced errors at the same time. So he's actually going for so much more in that zero to four category, which obviously is the, the most important category to win it in any match. And, you know, he, he won the zero to four, he won the five to eight, he lost the nine plus, but when you've got a, a minimal uh, amount of points that finish in the nine plus category, it's roughly about under 10%. Um, you're looking at that as being a very low category you want to focus on from a KPI perspective. So Karina Buster is, is focused so heavily on 
getting that rally early in terms of aggression, push the player back, getting it into control. And he's been doing that really well. And, and you know, he's not the typical Spanish player. I think Batista a good is. I think he's, uh, you know, he's definitely one of those players that wants to sit in the rallies a little bit longer. And Karina Buster didn't allow that to happen and shortened the points up as much as he could. And, and that uh, was really aggressive. So great, great work from him and um, both players. They're outstanding players. And, you know, for Batista good to c- come back from two sets of love and have a crack in that third and, and get that third set was, was outstanding. And we did think it'd go a long time. It did for a, a four-set match. Um, if it had it gone five, it would have gone for the five hours, Val, and you would have hit the yeah. nail on the head. But uh, what a great match that was from Karina Buster. It was fantastic. And guess what we could see in a quarterfinal, guys? Pablo Carreño Busta against Novak Djokovic. Oh, there it is. The rematch. <laughs> it could happen. And please get Laura Clark over to officiate. Come on, Roland Garros. You've, you've been so blatantly disrespectful of COVID. Why not get someone else over from America to get in that Parisian bubble? Because that's what we want to see. We want to get the band back together and hope, and hope maybe a similar result. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But Karen Khashinov against Novak Djokovic. Karen Yobusta will take on Daniel Altmaier. Um, I think that might be the end of Altmaier's tournament there. But it, it seems, as you said, Joel, before, Berrettini has had such a good sort of start to the clay court season. But a German, and an unlikely German, has spoiled it because it was um, Dominic Kepper in uh, Rome and now it's Daniel Altmaier in, uh, in Roland Garros. So it's just happened twice. It's unbelievable. And uh, Martin Fushibix will take on Andre Rublev. And then, well, we could get uh, well, this one anyway, Dimitrov v Tsitsipas in the fourth round. Tomorrow night is going to be extremely exhilarating from an aesthetic point of view because both of them are so beautiful to watch. So last year, it was a one-handed backhand man that ended Tsitsipas' uh, run in the fourth round, 8-6 in the fifth, and that was Stan Vavrinka. Can Dimitrov do it? He uh, Generally, he can have some early exits at the French, but he looks in pretty good form at the moment. So this is a very, very exciting quarter of the men's draw to see what happens there. Djokovic and Kashinov, though, I'll ask you, Joel, it's it's probably a test that he needs to have um, because the three players that he play are generally ones that he will eat for breakfast. And let's be honest, no disrespect to them, as I said. But Karen Hashinov, hard hitter, tall, offers something very different. These conditions suit him more so than they have in clay, on clay in the past because of the sheer weight of shot. But will Djokovic be troubled at all? Um, look, he's looking pretty good. I think, uh, obviously, you know, he can only beat who's in, in front of him. Um, but look, I agree that those guys that he's played, uh, you know, as you said, Bell, I think you put it well, no, no disrespect, but they're, they're not exactly, you know, world beaters. Um, certainly, uh, Karen Kashinov is up in that upper echelon. Um, of of the tour, as we know, um, and has has a, a game that that can go far um, at at this very unique French Open in the slower conditions. Um, look, will he be troubled? I think he'll be pushed, but I still expect him to get through it. Um, I, I think I'm thinking maybe maybe four, um, but if Novak gets it done in three, that wouldn't surprise me either because the guy is just playing really clean, tidy, consistent tennis, and he's just he's looking unbelievable at the moment. Yep, as Mark put it uh, in in the US Open show, Djokovic is like that game Pong, um, where it just keeps hitting the ball. He just keeps hitting the ball back. And or do you remember the American Express ad that used to air during the Australian Open, where Andy Roddick had to come up against Pong, yeah. and then he went with the underarm serve, and yeah, that's how he beat him. So maybe Khashinov might need to get the Amex ad out and uh, and sort of analyze what he's going to have to do 
against uh, against Novak Djokovic. But we've got plenty of tennis to look forward to tonight with Simona Halep taking on Iga Swiatek in the first matchup on Chatrier. Sebastian Corda up against his idol Rafa Nadal. He posted a photo yesterday on his Instagram story with his cat named Rafa. And he showed a photo of him with Rafa when he was a lot younger. So he gets to play his idol at his idol's, well, home, I guess, on Court Philippe Chatrier, a place where he is saluted 12 times in a Grand Slam final. Um, Alina Svitolina against Caroline Garcia. That one could be bonkers. I reckon that one's going to go very deep into a third. Dominic Team against Hugo Gaston. I think Team gets through that one comfortably. Um, on Court Suzanne Longlen, uh, Martina Trevisan against Hannibal Lecter. Um, what was the other nickname that we had? Lazarus. Uh, Kiki Burton's. Um, do we have another one for it today, Mark? Uh, no, let me have a think of one for tomorrow. And if uh, right. gives me okay. something, I'll, uh, I'll give you some more. Don't worry. Okay, perfect, perfect. Win or lose, I expect one from you. That's your homework for the day. Um, Alexander Zverev against Yannick Sinner. Lorenzo Sonego against Diego Schwartzman. And then uh, Nadia Podoroska against Barbara Krejcikova, along with a lot of doubles tennis as well. But look, we've got plenty to look forward to tonight. Very excited about the tennis that we've got coming for the second week of Roland Garros. Week one is done and dusted. We're into the business end of the tournament. Mark Sifullis, thank you very much for your efforts today. And I look forward to jumping on the court with you whenever this lockdown is over. And um, you can make me the, uh, the best tennis student in the world, I hope. Oh, no. As long as you're coachable, I can, uh, I can help you, mate. But yeah, looking forward to getting back on court soon. And if the, uh, the Muppets in Melbourne stop, uh, stop doing their stupid shit at the beach, uh, I think we're going to be okay. Well, I think uh, I just can't wait to get, get on the court and, and be able to, you know, be able to impact people's lives as a coach. And that's what I love doing. And, um, you know, it makes kids feel better about themselves, makes people feel better about themselves when they can get out and be free and, and do exercise. And, you know, tennis does that for everyone. And I hope, uh, hope anyone that's in Melbourne watching this show is, is doing okay because it, it is a challenging time for us all. But, Let's hopefully get through the last Grand Slam of the year and enjoy it. Um, I know someone on Twitter did say they can't believe the French Open is the last show, outside the last Grand Slam of the year. It's um, it's incredible to to think that 2020 would have had this, but uh, been very really exciting. So looking forward to tomorrow and uh, second week's always an unbelievable week to to watch. So looking forward to it and uh, yeah, have a good day, boys. Yeah, well, look at the positives. COVID has allowed us to to do these shows and the US Open show as well. So I think that's been a real positive. And Max, thank you very much. Enjoy Collingwood's win some more and uh, go watch the replay. Um, but Joel Frucci as well, thank you very much, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And I expect some more language from you tomorrow. It doesn't matter what, what it's from. If it's African, maybe think of something Tunisian to celebrate on Jabor. Huh. I don't know. Get Google Translate out. We'll see what we can find. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll hit the books. Maybe some Arabic on the cards tomorrow. Yeah. Look at me giving homework. I don't like this part of myself. <laughs> You're excused. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Um, be the good teacher. Um, but no, thank you very much, guys. It's been absolutely fantastic. Val Febo, Mark Sapoulis, and Joel Frucci here with you on the Tennis Menu's Daily Rolling Garage Show. And remember, you can enter the tennismenu.com and click on the Blogs tab for the latest editorial opinions and coaching philosophies right at your fingertips. All there on the tennis menu. Some pieces from Mark, some pieces from Joel, some pieces from myself and George Rogiatis. Um, plenty on there as well. But remember, big, big night of Roland Garros or big day, depending on where you are. We'll catch you tomorrow for all the latest French Open action.